Thank you so much, Pastor Jeff and Lacey, for leading us in a time of exuberant worship. Are you tired? <laughs> no, right? She is not. But it's a wonderful way to begin, energized to praise God with all of our lives. My name is Pastor Chris. For those who are new with us, the Lord bless you as we come together to listen to His Word. And so how should we begin the year? Begin the year by, you know, we greet each other, Happy New Year. And have you ever thought, what's so happy or what's so new about a year? It's just a change of numbers. And so could it be that it is nothing new or everything new? So the first slide comes on. Is it nothing new or everything new? So did you watch the World Cup? All who watched the World Cup, hands up. This is not a confession of sin, but just expression of interest. Okay. And so who won the World Cup? Argentina. Argentina won the World Cup, right? What kind of reception do you think they got when the team, Messi and the team, arrived back in Argentina in the capital, in Buenos Aires? This was the reception they received. Just a snapshot of it. A snapshot of it. Yep, next slide. Oops, go backwards. Oops, go backwards. Here we are. About six million people, they estimated, crowded the streets of Buenos Aires. And so the bus that was carrying them hardly moved, right? And so they decided to abandon it, and then they started to tour the city by helicopter. <laughs> and that was the way. And so it's a wonderful thing. You win the World Cup. Can you imagine? But when you think about it, What's new? There's a new motivation, a new spirit in Argent for Argentinians, a new thing. But if you went to Google, you'll find that Argentina still remains a poor nation. There's corruption in the government. The gap between the rich and the poor is ever bigger. And that's for many countries of the world. And so we mustn't take things for granted. And so, is it new? In one sense, there's nothing new. How long will this euphoria of winning the World Cup last? And once you understand that, that in our human experience personally, in our national experience collectively, we experience the highs, they give us such motivation, but when we hit the ground the next day, when Monday follows Sunday, when routine follows success, the wind goes out of our sails. And so that is the message of Ecclesiastes. And Ecclesiastes, we read the English Standard Version. Here's the new international version, and slightly perhaps easier to understand. The ESV says, vanity of vanities. And this one says, meaningless, meaningless. Who wrote this? It says, the words of the teacher, the one who wrote this, the son of David, most likely Solomon, and his circle of wise men. And his circle of wise men went to observe life, and they observed life for what? Have you ever sat around, have you ever woken up and asked, what's the meaning of life? That's what the book of Ecclesiastes is about. What on earth am I doing here? Why should I wake up? What do I wake up to? Why do I live? Why do I study? Why do I work? And he says, it's meaningless, meaningless. The conclusion. And by meaningless, he doesn't mean that everything that we do, or some things that we do, are empty of meaning. Some things that we do, the love that I experienced between father and mother, parents and children are full of meaning, full of love, full of enjoyment and full of memories. But meaningless means it is temporary. 
It is fleeting. It is passing. No matter how good it is, you cannot hang on to it. And in the end, death comes to make a mockery of life. That's why it's meaningless, meaningless. Everything is meaningless. So how many of you have just had holidays? Holidays? All who went on holidays? How many of you enjoyed your holidays? Yep, all those who enjoyed holidays. Hey, you, you did go lah. Okay, this is a Christian gathering, but they tell the truth, you know. Okay, and so, how many of you are looking forward to go back to work on Tuesday and go back to school on Tuesday? Hands up. One or two weird ones. <laughs> One or two interesting ones. So I always dreaded the starting of school, but my wife loved the going to school. Very rare. And so, how can you hang on to a good holiday? How can you hang on to things which you found enjoyment in with your family? You can't. You can only look at photographs. That's all you have. It's all passing, it's all fleeting, and then it's on to the next thing. And so he says, what do people gain? And the word there, there's no profit in all of life. How hard you study, how hard you work, how hard you play, how deeply you love people, it all amounts to nothing. Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. And so the earth is the witness. And if the earth had eyes and the earth had ears, it would say, I've seen this before. I've seen people, I've seen this before. I've seen this before. Seen what? The stage is the same. The players are different. The emotions are the same. And so it was Shakespeare who says, all the world's a stage. The only thing that changes are the players. Into that same home comes love and hatred. Into that same home comes the same things and the same experiences. So all things are wearisome, more than one can say. Then the eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear is filled of hearing. And so where is he going with this? Because we just read this. There is nothing new under the sun. Right? There's nothing new under the sun. What is there, anything of which you can say, look, this is something new. It was here already long ago. It was here before our time. No one remembers the former generations and even yet to come will not be remembered. So what's he saying in summary, very quickly? That life under the sun is the Ecclesiastes writer way of saying life under the sun, the phrase under the sun, is if you live life without God, life under the sun without God is repetitive. It's a repetition of seasons. It's a repetition of human activity. It's a repetition of human emotions. We, born, we are born only to grow up, grow old, and then die. So if life is repetitive, life is boring. If life is boring, then life is frightening. Why should you live if life is boring, if life is meaningless? Do you know that more and more youth today are experiencing the boredom of life and the purposelessness of life? And they basically say to themselves, end it all, end it all. And that's the message in the world. But you say, no. As we look back over the last two, three years, isn't there something new? The pandemic was new because the biggest word during the two, three years of pandemic was unprecedented, which means unmatched, which means unparalleled, 
which means we have never experienced this before, the pandemic. What is it we never experienced? That so many people were infected and so many deaths. Italy had it the worst, and then India had it, and then it just spread around the world. At one time, we had per capita, perhaps the highest in the whole world, were scared of what's happening here with the clusters in Singapore. We couldn't bury people fast enough. We couldn't cremate people fast enough. And so this was unprecedented. It's only unprecedented if you don't know history. If you read human history, the world has always had epidemics and pandemics. And one of the worst was called the Black Death, the plague that hit Europe, that killed an estimated, they can't tell because at that time they didn't have the science, the statistics to guess, but people were just dropping like flies, 100 million to 100 million, and this was in the 14th century. So Ecclesiastes is right. There's nothing new under the sun. You may call it unprecedented, unparalleled, but it has been before and it will come again. It's been before and did I say, it will come again. That life is repetitive, you grow up, you grow old, only to grow sick and die. Did God create you to live this way? Let me ask a question and pause there. Do you think God, the true, the living, wise and good God, created you simply to grow up, grow old, grow sick and die? Answer, no. So side by side, with a book like this in the Bible called Ecclesiastes, where everything is meaningless, there starts to come prophets sent by God. And prophets sent by God send this message. It's not the word old or same or nothing is new. The prophets come along and say, God has promised a new heavens and a new earth. You read the book of Isaiah, 66 chapters, it speaks about Israel failing God, Jerusalem failing God, and God will punish Jerusalem in the first 39 chapters. But from chapter 40 to 66, God speaks of a new Jerusalem that will be the centre of the new heavens and the new earth. And then Jeremiah will come and say, God has made a new covenant. A new covenant. And Ezekiel will come along and say, in this new covenant, God will write His law not on tablets, like He did with Moses, writing it on two stone tablets. God will write His law upon our hearts. You would love to keep God's word. You would love to live God's way. Ezekiel 11 says this, He will give each one of us who believe in God a new heart and a new spirit. Finally, when Jesus comes along, before Jesus dies on the cross, He celebrates the Passover that remembers God's deliverance of Israel, of God's people from slavery in Egypt. And Jesus celebrates them and He says a really astounding, amazing, staggering thing. He says, this is my body broken for you. It's not just a piece of bread, but this bread symbolizes my life given for you. And this cup is the new covenant, and the new covenant is poured out in my blood for you. Jesus comes to fulfill God's promise of newness. When Jesus comes to love us, suffer for us, die for us, and rise for us, He makes us the new acceptable people of God. And so He gives us a new commandment. 
A new commandment I give unto you, that you should love one another as I have loved you. And so 2 Corinthians, Paul the Apostle says in verse 17, uh, 517, if anyone believes in Jesus, enters the world that Jesus invites him to, he's given a totally new status. The old has gone, the new has come. Right? Pastor Jeff will tell you that in our mercy ministry that we do with people who have former drug addictions or with a criminal background who have gone to jail in Changi prison and come out, one of the hardest things for them to get is to get a new passport. Do you know that? And ever so often, I have to write a letter to say that by the grace of God, this person that we ministered to who formerly had a drug background, this person who has a criminal background, is now a new person. Can you please give them back their passport? That's a totally new status. It's wiped clean. Please, consider, please don't consider me an ex, an ex-drug addict, an ex-prisoner. I'm new. I've got no record of it. There's no record of your sin when God looks at you through Jesus Christ. Amen? You are just a child of God. Wash clean. That's why it is new. And if it is new, how did Jesus display it in his life and ministry? This is how Jesus did it. We read this at the Christmas service. And so it's to tie in Christmas, New Year, and what it means for us. In Luke chapter 4, verse 4, Now when the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him. And Jesus laid his hands on every one of them, on, on every sick person that was brought to Jesus, every sick person, he healed all of them. Which tells you that sickness is part of our fall. Sickness is part of us listening to the evil one instead of listening to God and living life His way. And demon possession and finally death is all part of the devil's rule. And demons also came out of many crying out, You are the Son of God. And Jesus rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew in the spiritual world that He was the Christ, which means God's chosen King. So we said our Christmas services, if you went, if you didn't, there are two forevers you have to choose. If you choose your life to live your life under the sun without God, forever you will live under the influence and the result of the devil's work. And the devil's work is that you sin against God and sin against each other day by day. So children who are here, what is it you don't like about your parents? You should love your parents, but sometimes you do not like your parents. What is it you don't like your parents? You shouldn't like it when your parents quarrel. Is that right? And when they quarrel about the smallest things, what we call petty quarrels. But you know what? Your parents cannot help it because in their sinful nature, they will quarrel. And when you look at yourself, young young boys and girls, why is it you have so much envy and frustration and irritation in your heart against your koko or titi or cheche or meme? Why is it you can't share a toy? Why is it if you do something wrong, you cannot say sorry? Right? Hardest word to say. Say sorry to cheche. Just won't say, right? All that is not part of the way God created you. Right? 
And so you live under the devil forever, you sin forever, will grow sick forever and die. You live in darkness. But when you believe in Jesus, who is the promise and fulfillment of new life, you will live under God and with God forever. Your sins are wiped away forever. There is no record that you sin against God. You're healed forever, spiritually, so that you will be raised to eternal life to live with God. And you are going to be the, cho the children of God forever, but only if you believe in Jesus. So what does believing in Jesus mean? Believing in Jesus has two W's. You firstly worship God in your heart. You worship God if you have family in your home. And this is how we can worship God in our lives. And here's a testimony of Pastor Jason Quack, one of our pastors, and what he experienced together with his family. So it all started on 10th of September. Jacob woke up one morning with a headache. So as parents, we gave him some Panadol, get him to hydrate himself, you know, brew some herbal tea for him, and uh, cut down on his screen time. He didn't get better. So two days later at school, he called me to inform me that his headache has intensified. About nine days later, his headache continues to uh, get worse. And actually, he started having some uh, stuttering of speech on one of the Sunday nights. We thought that we ought to bring him to see a GP again to have them review him. When we went to the hospital to check, we thought it would be just like a one-day overnight observation. Then after that, it became like an eight, nine-day stay in a hospital. It really felt very hopeless because at the start, I didn't know what caused the headache. Then I started having new symptoms like the trembling of hands. I couldn't even button the hospital shirt properly without my parents' help and my family's help. And I felt that like everything was taking a turn for the worse. They also did a lumbar puncture on him where they draw the cerebral spinal fluid from his brain and the doctor suspected that he has autoimmune brain disease. And we were also concerned because Jacob had uh, Kawasaki disease when he was two years old. At that point where we felt extremely helpless and depressed and not knowing what the future lies ahead for Jacob, uh, as his condition worsened by the day and all signs seems to be pointing towards uh, autoimmune brain disease. The interesting thing is that weekend before Jacob was warded in hospital, uh, I was preaching the, the sermon on the message of uh, Philippians chapter 4 verses 6 and 7 which says, Do not be anxious in anything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be made known to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding regard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. And so God has a sense of humour. After that weekend of preaching that sermon to you know, do not be anxious, uh, the following day Jacob was warded in hospital for brain inflammation. I don't normally listen to my own sermon but during that period was quite funny because I actually take comfort in listening to my own sermon. I find um, that my sermon was prophetic in the sense that it ministers to me uh, to you know from Philippians 4 to ask me to trust in the Lord and uh, do not be anxious. That very night where uh, the doctor broke the news that autoimmune brain disease was the chief suspect, I was uh, afraid to cry as a father because I didn't want to seem weak in front of my, my family. I'm a pastor so, so I'm supposed to put on a brief front of uh, 
supposed to be a man of faith. Yeah, but then it dawns on me that uh, if my Lord Jesus wept when uh, his friend Lazarus died, so I guess that gives me permission to cry. Uh. Yeah, so I, I cried out to the Lord that night and I wept and I lamented to the Lord. Philippians 4, uh, you promised that if we were to call to you, you know, you grant us that peace that transcends all understanding. Lord, if you are if you are real, you know, if you are really there, uh, then grant me that peace. I, I really can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. The, the tunnel was really, really dark at the time. I also told the Lord to heal my son. Almost instantaneously after I said a prayer to lament to the Lord to grant me his peace, uh, he did. The Lord uh, spoke to my heart uh, to tell me that you no, know, Jesus is the answer because Jesus is the light at the end of the tunnel. I, I was just asking for the light at the end of uh, my tunnel of my son's condition. The Lord also assures me that because my son has confessed his faith in the Lord, Christ has healed him uh, spiritually and uh, for all eternity. I told the Lord that, Lord, look, look at my son, you know, look at his condition. Uh, but almost immediately, the Lord spoke in my heart to say, look at my son instead, look at our Lord Jesus. Uh, because when I look at my son, I see nothing but a sick child. Yeah, but when I look at the Lord Jesus, I, I see hope. I see a future for my son. And I knew that, you know, that my son's uh, life is secure in the Lord. Uh, so strangely, I, I had peace at night uh, and was able to sleep. Every day, you can be thankful to God for something. Thankful that I have a life to live. And that I think that that was really important for me and that up till now, I still keep it with me to be thankful for God for every day that I have. Yeah, the, the doctors also told us that Jacob's cerebral spinal fluid was sent to National Neurological Science Institute for testing and the test result will only be back in two weeks. It was a very long wait. Uh, and by God's grace, we got back the result and the result was negative for autoimmune brain disease. Uh. So the Lord was uh, gracious and merciful to us. Yeah, and so we, yeah, we give thanks to the Lord. But yet at the same time, I, I knew that uh, even if even if the result were to come back positive, we know that it is also God's will. Yeah, that you know, whatever the result, our Lord is always good and faithful. Uh, that nothing happens outside of His will. And we trust in Him, not just trust in our current circumstance of you know, things are not looking good, therefore uh, the Lord is bad. Uh, but we trust that God is always good and faithful. Uh, we look at the cross to know that He's always good and faithful. Because uh, through the faithfulness of Christ, we have saved and redeemed. In the end, God is powerful and that the earthly doctors can only do so much to heal me but I recovered and I knew it was because of God. Life is not my own, it's by God that I can live every day and that was what I was thankful for every day in the hospital. Yeah, so for our brothers and sisters in Christ at ERPC, I just want to say a big thank you for, to all of you, especially those who have uh, praying for my family. Uh, indeed, we were strengthened by our prayers at the time. Uh, we really need it. And so, uh, yeah, I rejoice and thank God that the fruit of the Spirit is evident in your life. That's why you know how to you know, love one another and to, to love us and to pray for us. So I rejoice and thank God uh, for His work in your lives. For those that are suffering or facing uncertainties in life, just know that 
these sufferings are temporal and that we have a greater reward in heaven and that these sufferings God allow them to happen for us to grow closer in our walk with God and to help us trust in Him more. So what does it mean to believe in Jesus? We worship Him in our hearts, we worship Him in our homes, right? We plan our preaching program three years in advance, and of course I knew in advance that Pastor Jason Quack must be the one to preach on this sermon. Of course I didn't. And so when it happened, he had to gospel himself, speak the gospel, it's very hard for us to listen to our own sermons. Don't like your own voice. Don't like the own, your way you preach. But he listened and found comfort in God's Word. That we are not to worry about anything, but everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving to God, to present our request to God. And the peace of God which surpasses understanding will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. You think he scripted it for Jacob? There's a young teenager he can say, that friends, sisters in Christ, friends, what did he say? That whatever sufferings we're going through, they are temporary. They are passing, they are fleeting. They are not permanent. And they are to prepare us for our ultimate home, heaven, to make us more Christ-like. All that is what it means to worship God with our lives. And so you choose between two forevers, forever without God or forever with God. And so the basis and the foundation is your own spiritual walk with God. And you listen to Pastor Jason Quack. He had to go and plumb deep to search God. And God said to him in that moment, look at my son. Whatever life throws at us, you choose Jesus. In the moments of joys, choose Jesus. In the moments of sadness, choose Jesus. In your health, give thanks to Jesus. In your sickness, pray to Jesus. Always choose Jesus. And so we pray that you will abide deeply in Him. So during the pandemic, this is how I experienced it. I've been sharing it with you just to show some photos of this, right? And so the prayer box to keep trusting in Jesus, growing deep in His Word and growing deep in His love. Can you remember during the circuit breaker? Can you remember the first year when they didn't discover the vaccine yet? There was fear all around in everyone's heart, in every country. And so the walks out there, and sometimes I'll walk alone most times, sometimes with the family. I saw sunsets, I saw sunrise. I became a sun chaser. In the morning, catch the sunrise. In the evening, go west and catch the sunset. Sometimes I met fathers out there, parents out there, and I just bumped into this man. They're sitting at gardens by the bay. He can't stay at home anymore. Can't stay at home anymore. Giving my wife a break. And just out there with his, with his young baby, just enjoying the outdoors, soaking in. I said, good on you, good on you. Right? Sometimes I met birds <laughs> at East Coast Park. When people brought their birds there, and that was provided great joy. Sometimes I met dinosaurs. <laughs> you never know who you meet. And I'll come back from those walks so recharged and so affirmed that God is creator, sustainer, and my redeemer. That we will come out of this crisis still strong in faith, O oh Lord, keep me. And guess what? As we did this more and more, what did I find? I found that I kept bumping into church members who then started to take their families out, right? 
for walks. The one down there on the bottom left-hand corner, we were in Sentosa and saw this family out there just cycling away. Pastor Chris, we saw your video. We, we were out here doing it. And so many people around the world suffered mental unwellness from cabin fever and hyper-anxiety that will lead slowly but surely into depression if you don't watch it. And so we wanted people to connect with God for that spiritual well-being, connect with God for the mental, emotional and physical well-being. And that happens. And that's just a small picture that going into the new year ahead, or else if we don't do this, what's the effects? So what if I don't do this? So what if I don't believe in Jesus? This is what might happen. This is what will happen if you don't live with God. If you don't worship Jesus to cure your real sin of heart, you'll walk around finding fault with each other. You will hurt the ones you're supposed to love. You're supposed to cherish and adore under God. And you can't live with your conscience day by day just hurting the people you're supposed to love. So what does that mean? So believing in Christ and new life also means that we devote ourselves to witness for Christ, not just to worship Him for our own lives, for our own good. And remember, during the COVID time, we discovered that six, seven hundred thousand migrant workers are here serving Singapore. And many of them are living in dormitories. I read the reports, I saw the reports, I told Pastor Lak Yong, let's go and check this out. Pastor Lak Yong is our missions um, pastor. Let's go and check this out. And when we checked out, it was the day that it was raining and we went to check out the dorm and boy, was I struck that there they are inside there and there's, some of them have no food because the employers abandoned them in the depth of COVID. And so we followed Pastor, Pastor Giff, right? And Pastor Giff went around, his name is Giff, G-I-F-T. He was giving God's love. He was looking for, for migrant workers who were abandoned and giving them food. Immediately, I came back to our, our pastor's elders and said, we've got to do something. We can't see this and do nothing. And so we started to mobilize the church, set our budgets for it, to give food to them. When we were the first church given permission by MOM, Ministry of Manpower, to take them out of their dorms when things got better, very tight rules to hot park, to botanic gardens, and then to gardens by the bay. We brought them here to our services, and group after group, many of you came to share love with them. Amen? And so the two W's, if you believe in Jesus, you worship Him in your heart and your home, but out of that, the overflow is the loving of each other and the loving of the world for Christ. And within our church, what does that mean? That first picture on the, the picture on the left-hand side is the first wedding we had during COVID. It was limited to 10 people, 10 packs, plus solemnizer. That means just couple and parents. Nobody else is invited. This picture in the middle on the top is our services, and it was five packs. Remember, you sit in five and no more, right? And then we, as far as we could, we kept meeting and ministering to those who were suffering illnesses, knowing that their life was coming to an end. And you carried on ministering, both within and without. And the tech team that produced all our live streams and our musicians and our music teams and our singers put so much effort to doing that. Can we give them a big hand? Both here and in Bishan. So much behind of the scenes 
And then our elders and our deacons and our pastors, everyone had to switch from on-site ministry to online ministry. Not easy. The first few times we did it, the hall was totally empty. It was just me and the cameraman. I went back the first few times, and every time I went back, I felt, felt sad. And once or twice, I just cried. I said, Mona, I miss the church. I don't think I can carry on like this. Who am I preaching to? Is anybody listening? Is anybody being helped? And so the COVID core team, made up of our elders and deacons, made up of many of doctors, we have a good number of them, Jinwei, Weiyao, Adrian Tan, all pulled together. You know, decision-making is perhaps the hardest thing whether you're making the wisest decision to suspend services, to close services, to start services, we were one of the first churches to suspend. And when we suspended, all the rest thought that we lacked faith. Within one or two weeks, everybody had to shut. And so we did our part to flatten the curve. Hey, remember that term? Ah? Flatten the curve. Slow down the virus. It was only two years ago, brothers and sisters in Christ, when we face this, has almost died as a human race, if not for the mercy and the grace of God. Decision-making drainers, I was on my phone round the clock making decisions. What can we make? You were working in hospitals, civil service, just coming up with all the policies round the clock, depending on how many people got infected, how many people were in ICU. God has graciously brought us out of that. Amen. So what can we look forward to in 2023? Hopefully not more pandemics, right? We can look forward to worship God in our lives. And so this handbook is put together once every year. We slow down a little bit during COVID because we didn't know what were the plans from day to day, from week to week. But now under God's hand, we can plan the whole year and prayerfully plan the whole year. So you will see in there, our theme is strengthening our faith and strengthening family. And by family, we mean spiritual family, which includes single folks, married folks, widowed folks. We are all believers in Jesus. We want to strengthen family. If you look hard and you go back and read it, not now, here are some things we have lined up for you. Next month, by the grace of God, we'll kick off with a family conference, a family conference on February 10 and 11, in which we would learn as singles, as married folk, what it means to be the family of God. We're going to carry this on. We have beefed up our marriage enrichment retreat. We have nurtured 20 marriage mentors to help us. So those getting married must come to marriage preparation. Those already married must come to marriage enrichment. And we pray to pick up the pace. And then comes our church camp. Our church camp dates are, can you write it down in your diaries? Our church camp dates are June 8 to 12. Book your leave even now. We're not the only church, no? I went to preach at another church, Right? And there in the other church, they were advertising for their church camp in June, and the registration begins today. And that's to make sure that you come to the spiritual feeding and the feast of your life. The track record has been very good. We started our children's church retreat, children's church camp. We had our youth camp, and they were totally full up. And last night, we had our New Year's Eve dinner after three years. It was totally sold out within a few hours. So soon we're going to advertise for the church camp. And this church camp, we're inviting um, Colin Buchanan to come and minister to our children. He has blessed our children through, through the years. And then Graham Stanton, who is very good at youth work, will come and speak to our, child, to our youth. And then if possible, we will have John Lennox 
Professor John Lennox of Oxford, speak to us about the psychology of worship. When you worship God, what happens to you? Good things happen to you. God wired you to worship. When you don't worship God, all systems go downhill. And that's what we are doing. And then we're not just going to strengthen our own family, we're going to strengthen other churches, blessed to be a blessing. And this last year, by the grace of God, the Gettys came, Keith and Christine Gettys came and blessed us. And known or unknown to you, we were the first to host a concert, secular or religious. And it was 3,000 people coming. But over three days, over three days, with two workshops here, people learn to worship God in their lives. And by the grace of God, we may get the Gettys coming back to us. June 24th next year. So pray about that. Lock that in. Don't go for holidays. Book that in. And by the grace of God, city of light that hit the Christian world with yet not I. They were just a group just singing a song in Sydney that through the down times of the pandemic, it is God and His grace that lifts us and that song lifted City of Light to be a blessing to the world. They are en route back from a conference to America and three churches with two other churches in partnership with us by the grace of God will host them, most likely September 30th, October 1st. Are you marking down any of these dates? I have them in my brain. And we do this because we love Jesus and we love you as the church of Jesus. And we want to build you up and bless others, not just bless ourselves as ARPC and beyond. And then most importantly, you must have your own personal quiet time. Your devotional life, which is all there, these are pages. And then your devotional life is a must from this point onwards. And only flowing from that can we move one church in three places, ministering out of Adam Road, ministering out of Bishan, and in one and a half years' time, ministering out of Bukit Bato, Tengah. And we are going to do a double dom. It will take about 20 years for the whole HDB estate at Tengah to be built. And we have 40 to 50,000 new residents. We are two streets away from that. That means along those 20 years, there'll be a lot of construction workers very close to us. May God open the doors for us because He gave us an opportunity to reach them during the crisis. And from that experience and good favour, may He open more doors to bring this gospel message to the many thousands of workers who come and build Singapore for us, which we don't recognise. How often do you now give thanks for the essential workers? How often do you give thanks for your doctors and your nurses? How often do you give thanks for your essential workers? No foreign workers, no Singapore. You want to say that? No foreign workers, no Singapore. Who builds? How many Singaporeans work as construction workers? Every building is put up by a foreign worker. We have to minister to them and look after them. And so if we can, we'll have Let's Carnival as a message of we don't just exist to bless ourselves, we exist to bless our community, our neighbourhood, and bless our country. And so all those things are lined up for us. Devote ourselves to love God's people. And as we go to Tenga, right, there's so many things, but it must mean that you must, on the right-hand side, bow the knee to believe in Jesus in your own life. As you bow the knee to believe in Jesus, God will bless you. And that's the way to go, my friends. And just in update on Tengah, we praise God that what we have to raise for the building 
is almost coming to an end. We now have just slightly more than a million dollars to raise. Just slightly more than a million out of the 45 million. And that is a miracle in itself because through the two years of a pandemic, God has blessed us with a building fund. And $1.3, $1.5 million left. If you you are listening to this message within ARPC, outside of ARPC, if the God is burdening your heart, we just a million more, maybe 10 of you to give 100,000. Notice I'm looking at the camera. (laughs) Not directing it to you. If not 10 of you giving 100,000 because so blessed by God, maybe 100 of us giving 10,000, and by next week, it'll be over. Hallelujah. Can you give yourselves a big hand? It's nothing short of God's miracle. And what have we done in the last two years to raise funds? Right? We went to play golf. We had a dinner. We did nothing of the sort. We just preached the gospel. We just pray. And we say, you give as God burdens your heart. We never go after the money. We go after your life. When you give your life to Jesus, you will give your money to the Lord Jesus. And we say this. And so next year, what sin might you commit? What relationship will break up? What sickness might strike you? Which loved one would you lose? Will you live forever ruled by Satan, sin and death? Or will we live forever ruled by Jesus and forgiveness of sin and the promise of eternal life? I pray to see you next year. This year. On December 31st. I don't know whether I'll live to December 31st. I just went to preach in Sydney, uh, in, in Australia. I met a couple, met many of our AOPC folk who had migrated there to, to Perth. Then met this couple that I married years ago, married off years ago, solemnized their wedding, and had a wonderful dinner. And all of a sudden, I get the news that the husband just passed away because his nasal friend's uh, cancer came back. And within nine days, he was gone. And after this, I have to call his wife to comfort her. Live with humility. Live with the fragility of life. Live with your own mortality in front of you. And if you live with humility, you would run only to one person, the Lord Jesus Christ, to offer you eternal life. And that's what we are on about here in the RPC. It's always about Jesus. It's always about Jesus. And believe me, when Jesus comes in all glory, you will see and experience that everything can be made new in Him. From His humble birth in the manger to His humble death on the cross, it's all about Jesus. And so when you believe in Jesus, when you do the ABC of Jesus once and always, you accept, you acknowledge your sin, you believe Him in that moment of anger, you believe Him in that moment of lust, you believe Him in that moment of jealousy, you believe in Him in that moment of unforgiveness, and Jesus comes and washes you clean and empowers you, then you carry on believing Him day by day. And that's how you need a new life in Christ Jesus. And that's how Pastor Jason Quack and his son Jacob and the family live a new life. They were helpless. They couldn't see any future. And he calls out to God, see, look at my son, and know that he's sick. And God says to him in his own walk with God, look at my son, 
and see how He loves you, we always look at Jesus and the cross unapologetically and know that in every circumstance, Jesus is the answer. Amen? So we're going to stand and sing this closing song here at ARPC at Adam. Is Jesus is Lord of everything. ARPC at Bishan, you're going to sing, Jesus is our hope in life and death. Whichever song we sing, it tells us, love Jesus, trust Jesus, and you will be new now and forevermore. Life will not be meaningless. Life will not be repetitive. Life will not be boring. Life will be full of meaning for the service and the glory of God. Amen. Allow me to pray. Spend some moments as we come to a consciousness and awareness of God by the hearing of God's Word. Always approach God with humility. Always approach God with reverence, with respect, with a rightful fear of God, that He is God, holy. And if God was only holy, we would not be forgiven by Him. But this holy God is merciful. This holy God is rich in mercy. This holy God is amazing in His grace. And this holy God is steadfast in His love. And all that we have experienced in the promise of newness and the fulfillment of newness in Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have come to usher in the new covenant. You have given us a new commandment that all who believe in you are made new with a new purpose to live. And we pray that as we begin a new year, personally in our hearts, we will take our personal walk with you the reading of your word, the praying to you, non-negotiable each day. With our families, may we make family devotions a must, not by works, but by grace, that we are grace for your glory. And we pray that in worshipping you in our hearts and our homes, we will overflow to witnessing to a world around us so that we might win all that you've ordained for your glory. In Jesus' mighty name, we dare to pray and always wait. Amen. Amen.